When things seem at their darkest, when things seem like you can't take it anymore, when things seem like they're just overburdening you and you just want to throw in the towel, I know how that feels. Today, little specks of light. Coming up next on the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Welcome back, fellow practitioners of finding gratitude amongst all of the big and the small things. Or at least we try. We give it the gold college try, right? Welcome back to the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Matthew here on an overcast day here in Northeast Ohio. It is the first day of May as I record this podcast. And uh, it's hardly imaginable that... First of all, we would already be through the first four months of the year. And second of all, still in the throes of a pandemic. I can't even believe that we use the word pandemic in the same sentences that we use for everything else in our discourse. But we do. And it is. And it's happening. But I think, I think here in the Buckeye State, that we may be flattening the curve a little bit. Some things are slowly starting to reopen and our lives are maybe a little slowly but surely coming back to some sense of normalcy hard to say nevertheless wherever you are located i hope you're safe and i hope you're healthy and that you're not a statistic but it does seem on some days, as I was telling a friend of mine the other day, it does seem like I do feel kind of like a statistic. And I'll get to that in a little bit. So the bottom line is hopefully that you are safe and that you're healthy and that um, I'm showing gratitude for you having downloaded another edition of the Gratitude Journal podcast. I don't know about you, but I have always been, and I hesitate to admit this, I've really always kind of been a half-glass-empty kind of guy. And I'm not sure from where that stems. Because, for all intents and purposes, I had it pretty nice. I mean, I come from a big family, a big Roman Catholic family, I'm the product of two loving parents. My father was an industrial arts school teacher who did not make a lot of money. And my mother was the matriarch of the family. She cared for us at home, which was in many ways a much more enormous responsibility. And to supplement the meager earnings of a high school woodshop teacher... My father did a plethora of different things. He lent his skills to a couple of different businesses like furniture stores and carpentry places, sometimes all at the same time. He refereed ball games. He coached. He drove an auto parts truck. And then later on, my mother and father both worked. In the evenings, they cleaned offices from five to nine. And it was one of those deals where the story that I like to tell the person who interviewed them said, how long do you plan on being here? 
And they said, well, about three and a half years. We have some bills we want to pay off. And then 13 and a half years later, they were still there. And I remember my father coming home, quarter of four, four o'clock in the afternoon from school, grabbed something quick to eat. And at 4.45, they were both jumping in the car to go clean offices. And of course, we were old enough to kind of manage things for ourselves, but I'm sure we didn't appreciate the, the feat that they, that they engineered every weekday, that they would do all of their chores, and then they would go do more chores. And really, my job working at a restaurant before I was furloughed gave me an even bigger appreciation of that an even more illuminating, I guess, an enlightenment of gratitude about what they did for us. So my point in bringing that up is that I really am a result of the trappings of a fairly normal upbringing. My parents were fairly strict. They expected a lot from us. They were devoutly Catholic. And they expected high performance in the classroom. We participated in athletics. They expected our involvement as long as we wanted to participate. And they expected us to perform at a high level, as high a level as you can perform (laughs) when you're a member of a Mighty Might baseball team at 10 years of age. So by all intents and purposes, I should have had it made in the shade, right? There wasn't alcoholism in my immediate family. I was not beaten. My father didn't beat my mother. He didn't run a numbers racket on the side. He wasn't arrested. The cops never showed it up our house. And yet I've always kind of meandered around with this kind of half-glassed, empty feeling. Kind of somewhat pessimistic. A little troubled about trust second-guessing myself, second-guessing other people. And I think this thing that I've carried around has really kind of been exacerbated by this pandemic. I mean, it's easy to be down. It's easy to get down. And I've been in numerous Zoom conference calls involving some of the clients that I work with. And the conversations are sometimes not great. And one of those Zoom conference calls involves a show that I am involved with, with a non-commercial radio station, and that show show involves drug and alcohol recovery. And so those stories, those struggles, those journeys, combined with the fact that we're all sort of encased in our own little worlds, makes for some pretty half-glass-empty outlooks amongst a lot of people. And I have to admit that I have felt the same things. I've tried to work my way around it by telling myself I'm going to do things that I can later say, I'm glad this pandemic happened because I accomplished fill-in-the-blank. I've been trying to meditate every day, trying to practice Zazen every day. I've been trying to play my guitar for 15 minutes a day, which 
is a huge thing because I it looks great in that guitar stand. Boy, it looks great in my man cave. And, you know, every couple of weeks I would take a microfiber cloth and wipe the dust off, but I would never play it. So I've been trying to do that. So like a lot of people, we want to emerge from this saying, hey, you know what? I studied Italian on Duolingo, or I played the trumpet again, much to my wife's chagrin in the upper rooms, or I did this, or I did that. But it's tough. This is tough. The whole thing is tough. I know I'm not telling you anything new. You already know this. But it seems like 2020 has just not been a good year. Don and I were driving out to a locale to pick up some things last night. It was about a half an hour away. And I said to her, you know, 2020 has pretty much sucked so far. I mean, the tail end of 2019 kind of sucked. Because it involved family death, you know, the death of my Uncle Bugs. And then 2020 kicked in, and then my cousin Champ passed away. And now my Uncle Jerry is in an assisted living and was really on death's doorstep last week. He's, he's kind of had a little bit of a turning around. But, you know, we monitor that, you know, with our cousins every day. You know, how's Uncle Jerry? Which is the subject of another podcast, an enormous figure in our lives. And then my father's last remaining uh, sibling, his sister, our Aunt Mary, has just been struggling immensely with all of this death in the family. And so Donna's trying to call her every couple of weeks and sort of talk her off the ledge. And not to mention that just a lot of lost business. Clients of mine in some ways, sort of using the pandemic maybe as a way to cut back on expenses. And so I'm an expense, therefore I am outcast. And me struggling, trying to find ways to keep them on board, giving them free work, doing stuff at a reduced rate, trying to offer additional services so they'll look at me as not an expendable person. They'll look at me as someone who is a necessary, thriving element in their enterprise. And it's tough to show that because sometimes the numbers are the numbers. And this lost business, it sometimes stacks up too quickly. And you can't outrun it. It's like you walking down the street and all of a sudden a cougar is advancing on you very quickly. You start to run. You make up a little bit of that space. But that cougar has been coming full blast, full bore. That cougar is not slowing down and you can't go fast enough to keep up with it. So you get devoured. And really, that's sometimes the way it feels. And I'm sure that feels that way with a lot of businesses and a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and small business owners. They look at the numbers in the books and then they look at what's coming in and they look at what's going to go out and they do a projection and they say, there's just no way that we're surviving. This is not going to happen. And I know how that feels. 
I know what it's like to have 11, 12, 13-year-old relationships come to an end in one email. There's no saving it. Oh, I try. I try. But too many of those? And then it's all over. You can't create the new business to make up for the old lost business because sometimes the people who would be responsible for potentially being products, you know, the new business, they're not in business or they've curtailed their business or they've put their business on hold. So it's like a big domino. And, you know, sometimes it's just little things. My stimulus check hasn't arrived. My tax refund hasn't arrived. I have a tooth that's just bothering me. I can't get to a dentist to have anything done with it. So I've been living on Tylenol. And then the other day in the mail, I get a notice of jury duty. Really? Jury duty? Amidst all of this? I have to potentially go be a juror? I can't even believe they're having trials. So it just seems like there's a lot of gunk hanging around. Bad stuff. Dark, eerie, not sure how it's going to turn out kind of stuff. But sometimes amidst all of this gunk, through the seemingly dark Valvoline oil murk of everything that surrounds us, sometimes these little specks of light just kind of like float in. And they're not meant to solve anything necessarily, but I think they're meant to show you that sometimes even though the glass seemingly is half empty, most of the time some liquid gets poured into it. And sometimes it's enough of a, a panacea, a band-aid to kind of help. A couple of years ago, I went to a camera meeting the Akron Camera Club. And it was really the one and only meeting that I attended. And Donna kept saying, you know, you ought to go to this club. You know, they meet down at the, you know, the art center on such and such a night and you might meet some people and they might show you some stuff because you're kind of new to all this. And and um, I said, okay, yeah, I should go. And I never went, kind of like not never, you know, not playing the guitar enough as, as much as I should. But one night I decided to go. And that evening, they had a guest speaker. And that guest speaker was a guy named David Lyle. And, and David is, I think, an IT guy during the day, but he's also a photographer. And he takes a lot of photographs of you know, buildings, sort of street scenes, but more industrial uh, type of things, um, finagles them in Photoshop and Lightroom, and has managed to have quite an interesting side business, really selling his works to you know corporate boardrooms and uh, entranceways to uh, new office buildings. And it was funny because he 
we didn't really uh, connect over photography so much as we connected over radio because early in his career he was he worked at a radio station he was intrigued by that and he has this, this kind of you know radio voice and um but my point in bringing this this first speck of light up and and david could be a speck of light in and of himself but david was the profile of of another uh, videographer photographer who I came to know through David, and his name is Ryan Caswell. And I enjoyed the video that he put together, and I was mainly enticed by the style and the look of it. And after watching this video, I reached out to Ryan just to ask a question. And that one question elicited a new friendship. Um, a young guy who is talented, very experienced in video arts, very experienced in lighting, very experienced in recording dialogue, things that I was interested in in trying to add some dimension to what I was doing as far as business. And I had a Zoom meeting with him today, and we were just kind of catching up and talking about what has happened so far in our lives he's had some some big occurrences happen with his life and i was sharing some of my journey so far this year and something that we would talk about over lunch but like everybody we're doing it via distance and after we hung up i thought to myself you know i want to remind myself the next time we get together to thank him because he really has been kind of a speck of light by simply giving me his knowledge. I mean, giving me his knowledge. Anytime I've asked him a question about the focal length of a lens or a particular light to be used as a background illumination or any number of stupid questions that happen when newbies ask experienced people questions. He's never once chuckled, laughed. He's never turned down my request. He's always been very giving of his time and as of his experience. And I can't say that Everybody is like that. Some people are very protective of their experience, and I understand it. I get it. But he's showed me that I need to continue to be giving of my experience, the little experience that I have. And hopefully later today, when I talk to someone who I've never met, who was a friend of a friend of a friend, who said, hey, can you give this friend of mine some pointers about voiceover? He wants to get into doing it. I think of Ryan, this point of light, and I think, you know what, I need to pass that on. I need to take that experience that I have and give that to someone else because Ryan has done it to me, done it for me. And some of that experience is priceless. You can't put a price on information and experience. You can't be... You can't show gratitude enough for that. You can't be grateful for that enough. 
So amidst all the gunk, I'm pretty thankful. My second speck of light is a woman named Kim. And she's a lender. And she's a friend of a very good friend of mine. I would say she's an acquaintance of a very good friend of mine. And at this point, not that her friendship has resulted in enormous amounts of business, but it's been a person who I've never met, who is asking nothing in return, and who checks in with me every couple of weeks to maybe see how I'm progressing on my photo and video journey, who she can put me in touch with, how she can get my work in front of people. And if it's job-seeking that I'm going to be doing later on, should things continue to go south as far as the business and this pandemic, and I can't run away from the cougar, then I know that she's going to be one of those persons who I can ask an opinion of or put some finished work in front of and perhaps she can pass it on to someone else. And I said to her during the last conversation, you know, people often go a whole lifetime and want somebody like you. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, Every once in a while, you need, like, someone, you hope that someone will step into your life who will give something to you unconditionally. So you, in turn, maybe can learn from that, and you can give unconditionally to somebody else. And I'm really grateful for that. And even if this doesn't amount to anything, even if it doesn't yield a new client, even if it doesn't give me a new job, I'm very appreciative that you've given of yourself to me, a person whom you don't know. And I thought about that the other day when I finalized this kind of new website that I have that's going to showcase some of my photo and video work. It's really a way to get some realtors to look at some work that I've been doing so that they can look at the videos. It's not a finished product by any stretch. But her friendship made me move in that direction to get some of that work up. And again, whether it yields me anything, I'm not really sure. But I'm very grateful that she has taken an interest and continues to take an interest in where I land and what happens. And one time she said, I don't know, I just feel like I want to help you. And that was just amazing. That was an amazing speck of light in an otherwise gunky time in life. And my third and last speck of light today is something that might seem 
<laughs> pretty dumb. But I've been on this journey the past, I would say July, it's going to be a year, where I've been trying, trying, I don't always succeed, but I've been trying to eliminate gluten from my diet. And really, it's, it's in homage to my twin brother, who is a celiac, completely gluten intolerant, and so is his son. Because I often think about the struggles that he has gone through over the past almost 15 years. And it just so happened that I was just experiencing a lot of inflammation, things that got in the way of my work. And so I saw some ear, nose, and throat doctor last year, about the sixth or seventh one I've seen regarding these kinds of issues. And he started talking about inflammation. And he said, you know, we deal with a lot of um, gluten intolerant people here. And we've found that it's really a lot of inflammation that is causing a lot of the spikes in, you know, difficulties ranging from, you know, gastroenterology issues to reflux and, you know, on and on and on. And his suggestion was, you know, you should try going gluten-free. In fact, if you can do both, you should try going dairy-free as well. And I walked out of there, my head was spinning. I mean, not having cheese was enough. But dairy-free and gluten-free? What do I eat? Air? So fast forward, and I think I've seen a little bit of change. I've, a I've actually think I've seen a little bit of success, but it hasn't been easy. And I'm not always successful. Because if I have gluten, I don't get sick. Now, over time, I may develop inflammation. Of course, Mark and the people who are full-blown celiacs, that would be very devastating or could be potentially devastating to have a couple of days of gluten in their system. But I fail. I do. I'm not, I'm not good when it comes to my coffee because I've yet to find a creamer that doesn't include dairy, and I enjoy that, so that's a letdown. And at least one day of the week, I do have real beer. So I'm not a completely gluten-free, dairy-free person. But my point in bringing this up is that I've said to Donna, you know, we need to find like a, a dessert or something that doesn't have any dairy in it. It doesn't have any gluten in it. And she lately has been spinning out these peanut butter cookies. <laughs> and it's really a recipe that's so simple and so gluten-free and so dairy-free. And they're intoxicating. And the other day, we were sitting there eating these cookies. And we kind of fist bumped. And I said, you know, it's miserable outside. It was one of those days where we were still having snow at the end of April. It was just awful. There was no baseball on. I can't tell you how much I miss baseball. And, you know, the, the governor was talking about the coronavirus numbers and the curve wasn't being flattened and 
you know, losing business. It was just one of those days. Everything that I've mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, it was, it was always just boiling up. People in rest homes that we can't visit, parents that we can't visit. It was just ugly gunk. And we're eating these cookies. And I said, you know what? This cookie is like a brief reprieve from all of this gunk. And I'm just so grateful that you found this recipe and that you (laughs) made these stupid cookies because they're like this little highlight of the day. So, if you can, I know it's difficult. And this comes from a guy who is a half-glass-empty kind of guy. Find the little specks of light. They will help you show gratitude. Speaking of gratitude, speaking of my twin brother, I mentioned I'm recording this on the first day of May 2020, and tomorrow, my twin brother and I will be celebrating our birthday. Our birthdays. And we have hit a major milestone. I can't say what the milestone is. If you're familiar with the quarterback autogram, then you know what that milestone is. That's my hint. But if I had to pick a fourth point of light, and this may be the most important one, it's a letter that I received the other day inside a card, a birthday card. And it came from my twin brother. And I won't read all of this note, but he says, you've truly been an inspiration to me. I've always looked up to you and the way you handled yourself and most importantly, how you treat others. You make me want to be a better person and that's a great thing. I love you more than you know. I appreciate all you've done for me and with me over these past however many years, and I'm proud and honored to call you my twin brother. Until we can properly celebrate, enjoy the day. Love, bro. Yep, not everyone can say they have a twin brother. Not everyone can say they have a twin brother like him. So whether it's your birthday or not, Try to find a little speck of light, maybe a couple of them, inside all the stuff. And here's to you being safe and healthy, hopefully. And that hopefully the curve is flattening in your world. And we can emerge from this as unscathed as possible. Until then, thank you for checking out another episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast. Mm-hmm.